0: Welcome to the Tony Casillas Show, I am the namesake, TC Tony Casillas, and I am so excited about having my own broadcast, podcast, and I'm equally excited about who my first inaugural guest is, but I'll get to that later. Uh, Each week, I'm going to provide you with interesting guests, whether it's a celebrity, whether it's an athlete, whether it's an American hero, military veteran, whether it's a business entrepreneur, Uh, People that are making impact, are first responders, because we know the climate we live in with COVID, man, they've been very impactful to our society. So we're going to get into that. Uh, We're going to talk about an array of different things (laughs) during our interview. And trust me, I may ask a lot of really, really interesting questions, but this is what this show's about. We're going to talk about life lessons, uh, whether it's uh, in the business, whether it's failures, successes, we're going to get in-depth and find out what's going on. And two of the segments we're going to do weekly is called our X's and O's and binge watching. X's and O's is not your conventional when you talk about game planning. X's and O's O's of dating, relationships, advice for marriage, those type of things. And something that we've all been openly about and talked about during this COVID-19 is binge watching. What do you binge watch? I know I binge watch a ton of programming, but we're going to ask them what they've been binge watching and what they recommend. What's their must watches, if you will. And of course, we got to talk about football because hell, it's in my DNA. We're going to get my, uh, th- my thoughts and, uh, and take on the Cowboys last game and the upcoming games and look at the NFL schedule. But here's what I really want you guys to do, because this is a more, this is a show we all participate. I want you to follow us during the social media and make your comments, because guess what? We're going to give you some really, really nice prizes in the future. So make sure you're very active on social media, because that's our highway to connection, and make sure you follow us during our broadcast. I, As mentioned before, I off the top of the show, I, I said that I wanted to bring in inaugural someone special someone charismatic someone is timeless and i couldn't think of a better guy than the great great drew pearson i mean i, I think i need to introduce you drew but i want to ask you you know while i introduce you you're the original number 88 the great drew pearson with the dallas cowboys ring of honor and future pro football hall of famer brother
1: yes 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 well thanks for having me on tony yeah uh I I like what you call me timeless. I like that because, (laughs) you know, you seem like I seem like I really have. been. It's been over 40 years since I played, uh, but people come up to me and, you know, they treat me like I still play for the Cowboys. And so that's a pretty good feeling that people still look at you that way. And, you know, you can present yourself like, like that. You know, you look in great shape. You know, I try to keep in shape myself because I don't, Ever want anybody to come up to me, Tony, and say, "Hey, you played wide receiver that big?" <laughs> you know, so I like to stay in shape. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah, I have some former teammates that they ask that question, so that's a great point. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, I'd like to start here because uh, everyone that the, the familiarity that they have with different players, and especially you in Dallas, and one of the greatest players that's ever wore Star in his helmet. But uh, I'd like to just kind of go back in time and really just kind of, you know, a place in time, really how you got started, how you had this uh, really passion for football and the, the journey that that ultimately led you there.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, Tony, when I got that call uh, back in uh, August that uh, from David Baker from the Pro Football Hall of Fame, yeah. saying that you're senior nominee. And the finalists for that, and that's like, you know, almost a sure thing that you're going to get into the Hall of Fame. And the thing I thought about first is where I came from and the things I did as a kid, like the question you're asking, yeah. you know, what did I do along the way, you know? I never dreamt of being a Hall of Famer when I was a kid. Man, that that goal, that was too lofty <laughs> for anybody at a young age to be dreaming of. But I did dream of being a pro athlete, and I think about it all, all the time. You know, I played Pop Warner football, tackle football at seven years old. I was so small; uh, they didn't have pants that fit me. I I played in jeans. <laughs> they <laughs> rolled up my jeans, put pads in my jeans. That's I an put
0: interesting a belt, uniform. <laughs> a
1: belt on. <laughs> And you think of, I was thinking about all those kind of things I went through, you know, just our town, South River, you know, it's a football sports oriented town, but football is it. And if you're a boy growing up in South River, your dream is to play high school football for South River High School Rams. And we had a history of great people coming through uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, high school and stuff like that. And you wanted to follow them. And you did all those things that you needed to do to be in that position to play for South River High School. And you thought about all those kind of things you did, running and jogging through the town and all that kind of stuff. And then you go play high school football and you have success. And you go to Tulsa, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma. You go from New Jersey to Tulsa. And how bad that was. You know, I got a great education at Tulsa, (laughs) but football wise, we didn't do very well. You know, I had three head coaches in four years, three losing seasons in four years and three years of probation in the four years I was there. So, you know, you go through that and then you end up as a free agent with the Dallas Cowboys. And bam, now things are really starting to happen for you. But you, you don't get there unless all these other things happen to you along the way and you overcome all these things along the way. And, Tony, you know, when I got into the uh, Cowboy Ring of Honor. You know, I said, you know, I especially my kids, you know, and my family and relatives, my grandkids. I said, don't judge me by my name being up there. Judge me how I got there. You know, don't honor the man, honor the mission, you know, what it took to get there. And that's what it would have been. That's what I thought about when I got that call from the uh, David Baker. You know, all the things you accomplished and overcame along the way to get in that position to be considered for the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
0: And that's amazing, the, the mission. People, they see the finished product, but they don't know what <laughs> all the hard work that went into it to get you on top of the mountain. Uh, was there anyone that was instrumental, a mentor? We always need to you know, garner some emotional support and someone to just push us along. Was there a mentor or someone in your life that really, really was impactful? Uh, to kind of push you along and, and get you where you eventually wanted to go?
1: Absolutely. <clears throat> Every step of the way, <laughs> you know, somebody's been there. The only time I really didn't have good mentorship was that time I was at Tulsa because of three head coaches and all that kind of stuff. The, the, the football program was in uh, uh, shambles most of the time and probation and all that. But in high school, first of all, in my household, my mom and dad, you know, established the mentorship that I needed to follow by setting the necessary guidelines through discipline that I needed to follow. You know, we had no pass, no play in our household way back in the day. We (laughs) didn't have no act to have the state legislate. Okay. (laughs) My dad was the one legislating that. Okay, (laughs) So, uh, you know, that mentorship and, and he stressed that, you know, Sports were important to him because he played as a kid growing up and all that. My mom, too. But he also stressed academics were the most important thing. And if we didn't get the grades, we weren't going to play. But if we got the grades, he said, hey, if you're going to be a boy in my house, you're going to either go to practice after school, play some kind of sports or go to work. Okay. so the three boys in the family, we all went to practice. So, anyway, the mentorship started there with my parents. And then, you know, I had that Lapton mentorship at Tulsa, but then it picked up with the Cowboys, you know. And, you know, I'm only 21, 22 going into that environment. I haven't really established myself as an adult, you know, and what path I want to follow. What do I want to be like in my adult life, you know? So now I'm around Starbuck and Landry and, you know, Bob Hayes and Lily and all these great people. And I know they're great football players, but let me tell you, Tony, they were great people too. And if you were smart enough, you watched how they did things and they don't only taught you how to be a good football player, but they taught you how to be a professional, not only on the field, but off the field as well, how to carry yourself, how to speak and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, you have those mentorships all along the way that, you know, that you want, when you, if you get that opportunity at a hall of fame, uh, induction speech, Those are the kind of people you want to thank along the way for helping you get to that point. There's no question about that.
0: And those names you just mentioned, the who's who, the Staubachs, Tom Landrys, uh, the names that go on and on. What was it like when you were drafted by the Cowboys? What was your initial thought and reaction when you saw those guys in living color?
1: (laughs) Well, first of all, Tony, I wasn't drafted, (laughs) I signed as a free agent.
0: That's right, undrafted. Yeah, I'm
1: still, I'm still upset about that. okay? <laughs> they had 17 rounds of the draft, 450 some players, and I still didn't get drafted.
0: Let's blame so it on I'm Tulsa. Over
1: that, <laughs> you got to move on. But anyway, I had a chance as an undrafted free agent to sign with uh, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, or Dallas, and uh, Green Bay wasn't really much in the picture, even though, you know, this. Uh, uh, not getting drafted, I was very disappointed. You know, man, it was tough uh, to go through that, thinking that you're gonna get drafted, your dream might not be able to be realized, and that might be the end to the opportunity to realize your dream. Your four years of college college football. So when the calls came in, I was, uh, you know, got feeling better because it was the Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Cowboys, three story franchises in right. the NFL. So, uh green bay. I wasn't even in the running but pittsburgh was very close. They offered more money uh, one of the uh, the roonies came to uh, tulsa They bought me a a, a dinner and everything and I, they almost had me at dinner, <laughs> you know a free meal <laughs> In college, you know, that's a big deal uh, so they almost had me at dinner, but tom landry and the cowboys that's all we watched when I was at Tulsa. That's the only thing that ever came on TV was the Dallas Cowboys. And then I'm saying, wow, if I could play for them, that would be the best way to go. So I ended up signing with the Cowboys uh, for $14,500. And don't you laugh, Tony. Here's my signing bonus was $150, okay? $150, hey, I'm not $150, laughing. $150. One, five, zero.
0: Yeah, but you're probably smart enough business-wise. You I know you still, got more than you, you probably still had that $150 you earned. Me, on the other hand, that's another story.
1: But hey. Uh, hey no, no, <laughs> no. They paid me in cash. They paid me in cash. That didn't make it back to the apartment.
0: What was the first <laughs> thing? I was going to say, what was the first thing you did with that $150 worth of cash?
1: Well, uh, we went to the dorm. I went to the dorm and had a party with the boys <laughs> drinking at Boone's Farm.
0: Nice. You know, I
1: was, mar- I was married, Tony, at the time. I got married right before my senior year at Tulsa to Marcus Haynes, a legendary Harlem Grove charter. Absolutely. his daughter. Yep. Yes. So, uh, you know, after I got the $150, I went back to the apartment (laughs) that we had and told uh, my wife at that time, we only got $75 and then went to the dorm. And had a party
0: with the boys with the other side. <laughs> so that's how. We Did she ever find out? Signing bonus. <laughs> Did she ever find out about the, uh, the other yeah, side? the <laughs> Is that why she's your ex-wife? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hey, and <laughs> I and, and I apologize <laughs> for. You know, no, in mentioning ladies, that you were drafted ladies. because, I mean, that even makes the story. your the story and the mission even more rewarding. And uh, how. How much of that is a chip on your shoulder when you're not undrafted, where you want to prove everyone wrong? And is that something, because I know a lot of people go on in life, but how important is that to your success to really kind of live with that type of, not syndrome, but just the fact that you're an overachiever?
1: Absolutely. It played in a major part because every time I did anything, Tony, to try to make that team, I thought about that feeling that got I had when I never got that call that night yeah. and how sad and crying and disappointing and almost realizing the opportunity that you might not have an opportunity to realize your dream to play pro sports. And so, yeah, every time I took a lap, you know, with coach Landry, we had to take those two laps before practice to warm up. I would run that lap thinking about that feeling yeah. and wanting this day to be one of those things. I had a philosophy to live, to play another day. In training camp. I took training camp one day at a time. I wanted to win each day along the way and see if that was good enough, you know, at the end, uh, to be there. First of all, right. and to hopefully to be a Dallas Cowboy. But Tony, I had made it through uh, training camp, and the Cowboys had really they had cut me on the last cut, and the uh, Green, excuse me, the uh, Chicago Bears claimed me. And the Cowboys had 24 hours to recall me, and they recalled me through that process. So I could have easily have been a uh, a Chicago Bear, and I didn't know this until later. You know, Gil Brandt told me all about this, but because if I had known that at that time, because I didn't, you know, once you make the team and never hear that knock, you know, or if you <laughs> right. got cut, bring yeah. the playbook. Yeah, and the Grim Reaper. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> once you. Once you don't hear that, you know, you're like saying, OK, but knowing that you might have been that close <laughs> to hearing <laughs> that, you know, it's like scary. So anyway, I never heard that knock and the Cowboys recalled me. And as they say, the rest is history.
0: Yeah. And, and you got so many great moments in your career You, you know, as far as the receiving yards and everything, you know, the you're remarkable what you're on the football field. Uh, obviously, my, the play when I look back at your career is the hell Mary catch in the seventy five divisional uh, divisional playoff game versus uh, versus the Minnesota Vikings. And what was that to be referred to hell Mary and kind of be the originator of, of one of those plays? I mean, how does that make you feel? And what was the whole thought process when you go back? And I'm sure it's vivid, but when you think about it today, what does that what does that bring up as far as the, the memory?
1: Well, first of all, it's uh, almost asked of me or asked about it on a daily basis. Yeah. it's still alive. That's a true story, words, right? That's yeah. It's still alive, it's still vivid. And, uh, the term the term Hail Mary keeps it alive uh, because Hail Mary has infiltrated not from a l- religious sense only, but it has infiltrated to a sports vernacular, a life vernacular. Uh, A a religious vernacular, a uh, a charitable vernacular, every aspect of our lives. We've had Hail Mary moments in those lives, but we just didn't know what to call those moments. Mm -hmm. So when Roger said after a game, they asked Roger what happened on the play. He said, I threw the ball as far as I could. I closed my eyes and I said a Hail Mary. And next day in the paper, it it says it reads the headlines read Cowboys win by a Hail Mary, That's and good. boom, that phrase took off from there. That's amazing. And now I, you hear it, I hear it everywhere. Mm-hmm. I heard it twice le- uh, this past weekend in different games. You hear it on the college level, you hear it on the pro level, you hear it in basketball, you hear it in baseball. Uh, so it's really cool to be associated with a play that meant so much to Dallas Cowboy history, but also because of the recognition it got and, and the label that it's gotten. Uh, it means, a, <clears throat> excuse me, it means, uh, a lot or maybe in just as much in NFL history. Yeah. So it's regarded as one of the top plays in NFL history. So, but here's a guy, a Baptist. Okay. I'm a Baptist from New Jersey you know? <laughs> and I'm known for a hell mary. Okay. I had to ask Roger, what is a hell mary? <laughs> 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 you know, I would have said, hallelujah. Roger <laughs> exactly. I caught it and said, hallelujah you know or something like that but you know that's how things work out that's the mission you yeah, know it to is. get to that ring of honor and,
0: well being a catholic know. i know what hail mary is so i uh, <laughs> there but, you go but uh when <laughs> I know reference to you I know that it's that pass oh, would, that touchdown pass yeah. um yeah. so you we mentioned roger and he's such a i mean he's a he's a gem I and mean, he's the all-time uh player in, in Cowboys history and you're not too far behind him, but give me a story about Roger Staubach that we might not know that if you found out, you told us he'd be very embarrassed.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> Come on, Drew. You got,
0: a, you got one.
1: He's such a straight arrow, man. You know? See, you really can't is. embellish
0: when it comes to <laughs> when, when it comes to uh, Roger. But I mean, in you a know, huddle, one of those huddle stories that maybe he told you in You know something that you, a moment you guys shared with you, like man, this dude is amazing. He's he's special.
1: Well, you know when he comes in the huddle, he had complete command. You know he he had that military background, and so he did. He knew how to command that respect in the huddle. So we we were pretty much no nonsense. You know the guys joking around out there. You know it didn't take Roger to get him in line. It took anybody to straighten them out because yeah. we were serious mm-hmm. you know you know Tony yeah. to take that risk to play football everybody got to be on that same page you know I can't have if I'm going to run over the middle to catch that ball I can't have Billy Joe Dupree not coming across clearing it out for me you know and then yeah. making, making a mistake not being there so we were we were pretty pretty serious but uh Roger uh I guess coming back on the plane you know we would always been able to get a beer and drink on the plane. Coach Landry would let us have a beer. You know, at first, when I got to the league, we had no restriction. You can drink all you want. Well, of course, we abused that, okay? <laughs> you know, a couple of Well, hey, back if you're plane, winning, so. you, you
0: can drink. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and you you guys giving. won a lot.
1: <laughs> you know how you guys used to drink. Responsibly. Do in
0: college, exactly. At the bottom of the
1: <laughs> pan and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> we had too much. Beer, so he restricted to two 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 beers a piece. So everybody would try to get Rogers beers because he we knew he wasn't going to drink his beer. (laughs) So one day he decides (laughs) to keep his beer. All right, and it's a long flight from DC back to Dallas, and so he drank his two beers. And next thing, before we landed, he's back in. (laughs) He's knocked out. I mean, he just played an NFL football game on national TV. I know it was a Monday night game, so we had on the East Coast, that was a 9 o'clock kickoff, you know, and I know we finished late. And, you know, I don't know if you guys did it, but when we played in RFK, uh, if you played a night game, you couldn't leave at a national airport because of the, the the sound noise and all that, the airplane noise. So you had to drive all the way out to Dulles Airport, which was an hour drive.
0: Oh, no, that's so a long trip right the there. There's a lot of drinking under- to be had. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: By the time you got off the ground in the air, you know, it's been a little while since the game, but not long enough to have a couple beers and fall asleep. You know, we landed, we woke Roger up. He said, where am I? What are we doing? What happened? Anyway, that's a pretty cool story about Roger.
0: I love that. That's a great story. Um, I I wanted to ask you this because I think that we all look at our career and we go back and there's something we may have done or may, may have not done. Uh, any regrets when you look back that something you may have just left on the table or some, you know, in a relationship or something you, you thought maybe you should have done before you left the game?
1: Uh, no, I I just wish I could have played a little longer. You know, I played 11 seasons and I only missed three games in that process. So I was getting ready to sign a new contract at that point. It's the first contract I ever played out. You know, you start at 14-5. Uh, you know, I negotiated and I'm starting my rookie year, 10th game of my rookie year. So I'm negotiating, you know, my first five years <laughs> in the league to get up to speed. So now I'm in my 11th season and they were starting to, you know, throw that money around a little bit. And I wanted some and we were negotiating and try to get it. And since I hadn't been hurt and felt good, I figured I could play another three or four more years. But then I had a, a car accident and, you know, on LBJ here mm-hmm. and I lost my brother in that accident and it wiped me out Where broke my clavicle, lacerated liver, uh, serious condition and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm disappointed. I lost my brother and that's, you know, how could you be so selfish to say that you just lost an NFL career, Yeah, you know, by that. But at the same time, you know that it took that away too. Okay. That accident that tragedy took that away too. So you wish you could have extended a little longer. I wish I could have played a little longer for coach Landry, yeah. you know, another three years. I might've learned a little more, you know, Tony, when I got at the game, I was thinking about this today. You know, when I got out of the game, I got it into the marketing business. I sold baseball caps, licensed headwear and all that. Oh, I
0: remember. And, I, I'm, yeah. I know that your, your business when it started.
1: Yeah. I did it for 23 years. And, All the acumen and knowledge about that was learned from the Cowboys. You know, 11 years sitting in there. And then after I couldn't come back after the 11th season, I coached for one year with with Coach Landry. And now I'm on the inside of the organization. I could really see what's going on. But all my marketing and PR knowledge and business acumen came from watching the Cowboys, watching Tex Ram, Gil Grant. You know, Clint Murchison, even the owner of the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, Coach Landry, how organized he was. So I was able to, you know, take all that uh, and turn it into a life after football. But at the same time, I wish I could have played another three or four more years only so I could see what I could have accomplished. Okay, that time because I would have been 37, 38 years old at that point, you know. So I just wanted to see what I could have maybe accomplished, you know, if I was able to end the, end my career like I wanted to end it.
0: Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about Coach Landry. Uh, you you mentioned that he gave you some life lessons and you mentioned that you wish you could have played longer for him. But I guess if if you had to just do in a short paragraph or even a sentence, how would you describe that man?
1: Uh, honorable. Walk the walk. No, he talked the talk and he walked the walk and It was faith it was family and it was football or whatever else was important in your life and Even with his strong faith He only exude that by the way he carried himself and what he did, you know, he didn't have us pray, uh, praying before meetings and you know, all that kind of stuff. We prayed before the game, yeah. we prayed after games, you know, that's a normal thing. You know, you've done that all through playing football, but you know, he didn't force his religion on anyone or the way he lived his life through his religion and his faith on anyone. But if you're smart enough, you pick that up and you've lived your life that way as well. Now, now all of us, We didn't. Now, we didn't live it exactly like Coach Landry, you know, (laughs) because back in the day, we didn't have these cell phones or anything, so, you know, we played hard, but we partied hard,
0: too. (laughs) Thank God.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But just being around Coach Landry, I just learned so much from from him, and, you know, while you're playing, I found that, I found this out when I coached with him for a year, and I'm in all these meetings, and Hell, I even took a shower with Coach Lamb. Oh, my God. You don't, you don't want that ever. I was going to say, that, must, that
0: sounds too intimate. That's, too mu- that's yeah, TMI. That's, 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 too that's too much information. Coach, let
1: me know what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But you learn so much, you know, from that right. man that you can lose, use in your life after football. And he was preparing you that way. You know, that's why we wore the suits and ties to games. We carried briefcases. We were studying the computer printout way back in the early 70s tendencies of our opponent everything run with the football team was run just like the cowboy business like a business and so that's how coach landry ran the team and you know if you're smart enough you learn from that all my marketing and tr negotiating expertise business acumen everything came from being around the cowboys I, I I got a great education at Tulsa, but my real education is like, <clears throat> you know, if you go through a, a, a teaching uh, uh, curriculum in college, you got, to, at the end of that, you got to do the practicum that, the on-hand teaching, you know, visit the classrooms yeah. and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you're ready to go. Well, you know, when you get into a situation with Coach Landy, it's that on-hand teaching right there. You know, it's the ex- extension of your college career. Now you're in this situation, so if you're smart enough, you learn.
0: You know, that's amazing. That's a great point because I know that my generation, you know, we, we made more money and I was very blessed. And, but I don't know if we watched the way people ran business. And certainly back in your era, you mentioned it, you got $150 in cash for a signing bonus. You had to probably learn a little bit more and absorb the educational business savvy.
1: Oh, yeah. I worked every offseason I played in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> I'm catching a playoff touchdowns to my my rookie year in uh, December. In February, I'm selling shoes and sporting goods at Cullman Boren, Boren Coleman Sporting Goods Shop Store. Uh, I had to have a job in the offseason, okay? That 14-5 went real quick because once you make the Cowboys, you know, Tony, they say success is relative. Mm-hmm. The more success that's the more relatives you have
0: yeah yeah I, <laughs> so everybody trust
1: thinks you're playing pro football they think you're a millionaire i, I
0: you know and they want to borrow so, money or they want you to give it to them <laughs>
1: right exactly and if you don't you know you're a bad guy so you feel a little guilty so you do what you can do the best you can but soon as the season was over my rookie year me harvey martin billy joe dupree we went up to the sales corporation downtown dallas Met with the head CEO of the Zales Corporation, sat in front of him and said, we need a job. We need a job. He just saw us playing out there on the field on national TV. <laughs> That's And we're crazy. saying, we need a job. So he gave us a job in the sporting – Zales Corporation owned the Coleman-Burham sporting goods stores. So he gave us jobs in the sporting goods stores, and that was my first job in the offseason of being a Dallas Cowboy. But I worked every offseason uh, that I played for the Cowboys. We, we all did. Uh,
0: Hey, real quick, we're going to, uh, I want you, you mentioned life after football and you've been, a uh, just a very successful business, business entrepreneur. Uh, you're involved in a lot of philanthropy things. Uh, I know the Susie, G, Susie G Coleman, you're a big advocate of that, uh, with your history, you know, with the history and your family and with the uh, breast cancer, but, uh, real quick, uh, and I know you do a lot of media and TV and, and you're just all over the place. Um, Kind of give me a, kind of an update, what you got going on now and uh, what what you're looking forward to in the upcoming future.
1: Well, Tony, uh, now I'm just pretty much uh, idling, you know. I'm waiting for this pandemic to uh, uh, lighten up a little bit so that we can get things back as close to normal as possible. You know, I had a restaurant. I have a restaurant at DFW Airport, in Terminal E near Gate 5, servicing most of the United Airlines gates in that part of the terminal and the airport. And that's been shut down since the end of January. And so, you know, we've been trying to get that ramp back up. And, you know, a lot of my personal appearances and things of that nature were cut off because of the COVID and people can't getting to get not getting together. But you know, you got to reboot, you know, this this is going on. You got to reboot yourself and find new ways of doing things. And so what What I've done is rebooted myself in a way that I'm doing a lot of virtual appearances via zoom and, uh, all these other things. I didn't even know this was available. You know, Damn. I didn't know. Th- I didn't know. I didn't even know about FaceTime. My kid, my grandkids are FaceTiming. That. i that. say, what is this? They're right there. I can almost touch them. You know? <laughs> so,
0: uh, that's called the generation Z's space,
1: All right. <laughs> someone told space? me, a
0: producer told me, Kevin. So, but yeah, yeah but did you ever think in your wildest dreams that we experience in our lifetime, let alone our kids' lifetime, grandson, kids' lifetime, we'd experience this type of pandemic and this, this whole the COVID-19 that we're going through now? It's crazy. No.
1: No. You know why, Tony? Because I thought we were too smart to let something like this happen. Yeah. You know? it's a good a point. Nation, we should be too smart. We got too many bright people to let something like this happen. Whether it's national security, whether it's the scientists, whether it's our leadership in government, whatever it is, got too many smart people to not know this was coming and not prepare for it the way we should have. So it wouldn't have, you know, you see the numbers going up over 200,000 people in the U.S. have lost their lives. And the shame of that is that they're just a number. We don't even uh-huh. know names. They just say, well, good. The, the tally keeps yeah. going up. Yeah. Well, who is the tally? Yeah. Who just died? You know, stuff like that. And that's what makes it so cold. But anyway, you know, we should have been too smart as a com- uh, as a country. You know, we can detect missiles and – excuse me, I started to say something. We wow. could de- you, you can detect say, missiles we don't, we don't and no anything on this, this order, coming out of the air, <laughs> coming through mountains and everything else. But – so we should have been smart enough to detect this and be able to come up with something some way somehow to uh, not let it become the pandemic that it has become.
0: Yeah, 2020 is just man, it's just been a crappy year and, and hopefully 2021 will be better. Uh, also, the, the 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 whole social injustice. And I want to ask you and get your take on the platform professional athletes should take when it comes to protesting, when it comes to making their point. What are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, I, 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 I think, uh, I don't know. I I'm for that, you know, because it's an opportunity to keep the uh, dialogue going, to Mm -hmm. keep the narrative going in the right direction, right? Because people see that they see why they're, they're doing it. And now because of George Floyd and other incidents, uh, we have a better understanding why, uh, uh, a, a player might kneel at the national anthem It's not about the flag. It's about, you know, uh, the disrespect that, that people are showing uh, people of color towards the flag, what the flag represents. And so now we have a better understanding uh, 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 about that. And now these athletes not only talk the talk, but they walk the walk because they put their money, you know, where to action mm-hmm. where their words. Or they allow their money, put their words into action, okay? Michael Jordan has given over $100 million to the cause, you know, $10 million a year, plus more than that, you know? Uh, 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 Drew Brees, half a million dollars and stuff like that. So, you know, that's important. But it's also important that people, uh, when they see that, they still know that everything's not okay yet, okay? We need to turn these uh, protests. We need to turn this dialogue into policies and statements to change, start changing things. And athletes uh now, because of the social media platforms that is available to them and the followings that they have, yeah, you know, I'm okay for them to to speak out if they feel in their hearts that speaking out is the right thing to do. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, well said. Um before we get into a couple of segments we do on my show uh i i got to uh, ask you this you know last year whenever uh and I, i'm sure this is like a vivid emotion in your heart when the announcement of the pro football hall of fame and we all saw that unfold we all saw that on television we saw your pain and anguish that you didn't get selected uh and now you're you know you're on the uh you're, you're the senior vote for the only seat i guess senior nominee for 2021 d- induction but take us back to that moment because, as I said, I, I mean, I was—I fell for you, brother. I mean, I was right through the pain. I—I I wanted to go down there and kick someone's ass for you, but you know, I couldn't. But take us back, and what, how did you really feel? I mean, that when you found out you, you weren't going to go into the Hall of Fame.
1: Well, well, Tony, what you saw was real. Yeah. All right, that's what I felt. And you know, I'm a private person. Generally, mm-hmm. you know, people when they see me in public, they think, "You know, he's so outgoing and everything." But I'm when I'm in my house around my family, I'm I'm the last one saying anything. Okay, yeah. I'm more interested in, and <clears throat> and rather be mm-hmm. in that kind of environment than out in public, even though I still enjoy that. But you know, I'm so with that in mind. You know, uh, I didn't even think about uh, being exposed that way. Yeah because I didn't think that I would not get in. Now, I wasn't overconfident, but I thought this might be the best way for mm-hmm. the Pro Football Hall of Fame committee to clean up the mistake they, they have been making for years. Mm-hmm. You know, like you being a first team all decade, the only one on the first team all decade, mm-hmm. not in the Hall of Fame. Right. You know? so I thought this might be a way. And then I saw Howard Carmichael, who was second team, on the all decade team of the seventies go in and I'm looking at my phone thinking, wow, I must be getting a call pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Somebody called me, make sure my phone's still working, you know, stuff like that. But when I didn't get the call and it ended, what you saw was raw emotion. And the reason you saw it is because I had everybody there. You know, I, I worked for mostly every radio and TV station in this market oh, over the years since I've been here. Mm-hmm. So if one guy asked, can I come to, to, to be part of that or film it, then you say, yeah. And then the next guy, you can't say no. So they're and you all thought
0: it was going to be a celebration.
1: I, Tony, I, I was a finalist. Okay. Yeah. I've never been a finalist before. I don't know how finalists are post that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Right.
1: So I wanted everybody to be part of this, especially my exactly. family, Yeah. You know, especially a lot of close friends. So everybody was at my house and what you saw was raw emotion. When I didn't get the word, I was heartbroken. I was disappointed. But you know what? That was only for a few minutes. You know, I overcame that shortly after that. I was okay after that because I'm thinking about, you know, okay, maybe this is not my time. You know, faith is really important Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. And my belief is really important. And I know God has a plan for me. You know, after going through a car accident, losing my brother and I'm still here, you know, God's got a, a plan for me. And it's not a plan for disaster. It's a plan for hope. And so that's what I relied on. And so here's the deal, Tony. What about that plan I'm speaking about? You know, eight months later, okay, I get a call. I don't even have to wait a year. You know, I go from January to August. I get a call and I go from sorrow to gladness in eight months, you know, the Lord, he works that way, man. And so Anyway, what you saw was real emotion, and I exposed myself to the world, And and, uh, that was real. Now, Kardashians and all that, you know, Terry Bradshaw's reality show. That's all (laughs) fake, you know,
0: But yeah, so it sounds to me, you learned a whole different experience in life. And you know, something that was really, really bad ended up being really, really good. Because I mean, barring uh, a miracle that they don't vote you in, uh, you'll be into the, the 2021 inducted class. So I don't want to jinx you, but this is early. Congratulations. It's not itching stone, but I don't think it's going to be a problem this uh, this time around, But big guy. All right, Drew, uh, I think we all know this is a big year when it comes to voting uh, in November. And how important is it is to you uh, to tell everyone to get out there and vote and make sure you register to vote? Because if you're not voting, you're not making an impact.
1: Oh, that's true. And uh, if you haven't heard, uh, if you don't listen to anything I've said up until this point, and there's a great interview with you, Tony, uh, listen to this. Get your butt out there and vote. OK, <laughs> if you don't get out and vote, don't Love complain. do complain whatever gets what's ever left. OK, but you have an opportunity uh, to either way you want to vote, you have an opportunity to uh, influence that. So take advantage of that opportunity. Get you out there and vote. V O T E.
0: Hail Mary, vote. baby. Go out and if vote. you want to
1: change something, you got to vote. We have that. That's a right we have. And if we don't vote, we might not have that right very, very often.
0: Amen. Long. And you can't, you can't <laughs> complain. <laughs> All right. So we do two seg- two segments on our show uh, weekly. The first one is called the X's and O's and X's and O's of life. So I'm going to ask you, uh, it's in related to relationships, dating, advice you would give for marriage. Um, I, I think that uh, you, you have a grandson. Well, I know you have a grandson that's a, at Colorado, uh, and, and I hope that's going well for him. Uh, but yeah. what kind of advice, you know, now, because these guys are called the Generation Zs, I believe, and everything's done on you know, apps and iPhones and everything else. But with everything that we know, because let's face it, we're seasoned veterans when it comes to relationships and experience. What advice would you give your grandson or every young kid out there? Because it is genera- generalizational.
1: Well, you know, first of all, you know, it's social media. You got to give them uh, uh, some advice on how to use social media. Use it to your advantage. Not, your, not to where it becomes a detriment to you anywhere along the line or, you know, harmful to someone else. And you know, you gotta be selective because we hear all the time once you push send, you can't get it back once it gets out there. So with social media, uh, these kids need to be a little more uh selective of the choices that they make because there's so many more choices they have an opportunity to make compared to what we had uh you know coming through. So, you know, I, I just tell my grands my grandkids to uh and my kids as well. I'm proud of my my two daughters and my one son you know the thing i'm most proud of is the fact that uh they've gotten great educations uh through college and some you know higher than that uh to the masters level and then they've never been in trouble and they turned out to be the two daughters turned out to be sensational unbelievable parents you know and i'm not saying they learned that from me <laughs> but uh uh, they are a lot tough. I thought I was tough <laughs> on my kids, you know, because my dad was tough on me, and that kind of passed that on how to raise my kids. And but no, they're a lot tougher on their kids than I ever was. So I'm proud of, of uh, how they've uh, become parents, and I'm proud of my my son out in L.A. Uh, you know, he's uh, graduated from Loyola Marymount and stayed out there. He's in gra- graphic designing and stuff like that. So I just you know want to make sure they. You know, what I wanted for my kids to make sure they got a good education, stay out of trouble and do the right thing. Simple. Yeah, and could've... I tell my grandkids the same thing. Get that education, stay out of trouble and do the right thing. And that's why grand pop don't give you that much money because money is the root of all evil.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got, that's three hut huts. Uh, as far as the apps, could you imagine swiping right and swiping left? Back in your day and on my day, I I couldn't imagine that, how it just, it's just kind of desensitized everything as far as relationships and all that. But that's another story. Um, as far as, as being romantic, and, and I don't know what your current situation is as far as your relationship or anything, but what is something that's kind of your go-to if I want to ro- ro- romanticize someone and really show someone <laughs> that they're really special? What is a what is hut? Huh? go-to when it comes to
1: okay, gonna, my go-to my go-to go, it's gone and went okay
0: gone and went.
1: <laughs> i don't know what my go-to is anymore you know i i've been in a relationship but i'm, I'm Is not that right of a movie?
0: oh that's gone in the wind
1: right <laughs> <laughs> yeah gone in the wind but you know uh you know i you know i'm still getting recognized out there i oh, still I'm- try to keep Date, you know, yeah. just in case somebody thinks I'm worthy of uh, spending some time with, and I I am available right now. So you want to, you know, highlight that part of your podcast here. Hey,
0: do you want to? <laughs> maybe we should just build you a profile right now on one of those apps.
1: Yeah, but I'm. I'm gonna be on <laughs> you don't okay. need to help at that. I'm not going that way, but, you know. The original 88 would get all kinds of responses
0: from that. I, I, I'm not bragging or anything, but some of them were just one ticket to a game. Not, your, not your <laughs> all right, My last one, uh, part of this X and O's uh, segment. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm going to ask you again, hut, hut, when it comes right. to getting out of the doghouse, any tips on what you, flowers or I mean, back massages? What do you recommend as far as just uh, get out of? The doghouse free.
1: Well, sometimes it's just a matter of something simple, like paying more attention to what they're doing. That's true. You're kind of listening, you know. You yeah. know, most of the time you're, you know, you're, they're talking, but you're not listen listening. Listen to that out there. You know, you're not listening, <laughs> but maybe listen. So now you know how to respond to them, and you can respond in an intelligent way. <laughs> but other than that, you know, a little hug once in a while, a little kiss there, little touch, you know, so it shows up as affection. You know, if you don't have that in your relationship, you've been lo- married a lot longer than I ever been married, Tony. You know, I've been, I been—I was married once 10 years. And, uh, you know, I think the mistake there was, you know, at the end, there wasn't that show of affection. You know, well, how do you Just rekindle little- that?
0: <laughs> I'm going to ask you, how do you rekindle that? I've been married that for 23 years. Not that I have a problem with that. Uh, but what do you recommend <laughs> for rekindling, keeping keeping the fire going?
1: Well, there's a lot of uh, sexual wellness treatment centers <laughs> <things> out there. <laughs> you know, you hear the advertising all the time on the radio. That might be Oh,
0: uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's my issue. You but, in uh, that category uh, <laughs> right now. I don't know if you're in that category. Hey, I appreciate but that. That would definitely keep the thing going. Oh, that, that's for sure. All right. Uh, <laughs> but you don't want
1: the science to be involved. <laughs> then uh, you just better do the things you think that
0: come natural. another thing we do on our show because of COVID-19 is we're all watching a lot of TV, Netflix and you know, whatever it may be Hulu, Amazon, uh, whatever prime, whatever it, it may be. Uh, what's uh, something that you've watched uh, over this whole COVID-19 over the last six months, seven months? as we mentioned you mentioned earlier, it's gone long, longer than it should have. But any shows yeah. if you watch I mean speaking of Kardashians uh, you a Kardashian fan or I mean I didn't, yeah. I wouldn't even think that would come out of your mouth
1: No I know <laughs> That's about it. That's about what I know. Uh, but no, I, I I watch all sports. Okay, uh, I don't watch movies. I don't have time for movies. Mm-hmm. I like to watch game shows. I like The Price is Right. I like uh, <laughs> I like Jeopardy. Jeopardy is my favorite oh, show. Oh, yeah, that's keeps great! My brain yeah. going. keeps things fr- functioning in mm-hmm. my brain. And uh, I like uh, Steve Harvey and A Family Feud because yeah, it makes me laugh he's on the whole time. You know. <laughs> but other than that. Uh, it's it's the Young and the restless, and the bold and the beautiful.
0: Oh wow! And
1: you know they took a hiatus for a while because of the pandemic, but now they're back doing their thing again, and and I'm happy about that. And I'm a I'm a big Victor Newman fan on the Young and the Restless. You know I had a cameo appearance no. on that show.
0: Really? Yeah, we need back, to
1: uh, about a year ago, June back in June. Ah, and we need Victor to make sure we find to...
0: that. What we'll to yeah, generate and that and somewhere. Got, yeah. <laughs> Channel that in did, June 30th, uh,
1: 2018 epi- episode. And I was Victor Newman's bodyguard in that. So, but I've been a fan of young and the restless ever since I played with the Cowboys and then the bold and beautiful came along. So, but I'm not a movie guy. The last movie I went to see, cause people really don't go to the movies now, Yeah. but the last movie now. I went to see and sat through in duration was, uh, Jerry Maguire.
0: Yeah, that's not a bad one to set through.
1: Yeah, was that about twenty five years ago? <laughs> no, more than that.
0: Oh, okay, <laughs> I was giving you the benefit I bet of the more time. than
1: that. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's my movie uh, movie background, TV background, and that's what I like to do. I like sports. I, I watch. I'm watching tennis for right now. I got the uh, the uh, 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 the Roland Garros, the. Uh, they call that the, the clay court tournament yeah in paris and that's on now it's live because the, the time change over there but you know i've watched the basketball the baseball i watched football the college and that was the thing you know we we're why well, most of us were going stir crazy during this pandemic Tony,
0: mm-hmm. not sports sports
1: would cut off yeah you know that's an outlet for a lot of people just to you know watch something real on tv exciting mm-hmm. And then look at how these NBA games have been played, man. They're really exciting. And look at some of these NFL games. You know, you think about these guys going out there, Tony, with no OTAs, no training camp, Mm -hmm. no preseason games. And the first thing they do when they hit the field is they're playing live football, you know, live contact football in between those lines in the NFL. And you know how that is. And, you know, if you can come out of a game after not going through that process of being able to take those hits you know you're you're lucky you're lucky and that's why they have so many injuries in the nfl this season because the guys didn't go through the process of trying to avoid injuries by being in the best shape possible
0: yeah we got to give a shout out this this show will will air next week october 7th and the stars had already lost the stanley cup final but what a tremendous series that, that was and you talk about playing in a bubble and that excitement and feeling it I mean, those guys have nothing to be ashamed I mean, what a great series. And I, I'm not afraid to admit I, I am a bandwagon fan. I didn't watch any hockey. But, man, I was glued to the TV from beginning to end in that series.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised. If you cared anything about sports and you watch how these guys perform and how they would come back and win and go to overtime and pull it out, And all that, you know, I I was a kid growing up in New Jersey. I played hockey, but we didn't play hockey by rules. You know, we just put a puck out there. We played, choose up sides, and we played. But watching these guys play and what they give to the game. But here's the deal. I feel bad for them. Not so much that they lost uh, 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 in game six last night, uh, but more so that the fans couldn't enjoy the process, you know, to get to the Stanley Cup. And the players couldn't enjoy what the fans bring to the process to get to the Stanley Cup. Right. You know? So even if they win, it'll be, you know, it's a nice to win it, but a little anticlimactic. Yeah. But here's the deal. It's nice to have somebody, a protein from the Dallas Fort Worth market, <laughs> driving for a championship. Oh <laughs> my, how long has it been?
0: Well, I'm gonna Maver- keep you me- yeah, it's been Cowboys, a while. Yeah, it's Rangers-
1: it's. Rangers. Somebody it, it, wins the the, the what did the soccer team FC Dallas win something. Wins something? Maybe it's the Cowboys' turn. What do you think, Tony?
0: Yeah, I hope so. Well, this segues into my last uh, segment I have, and that would be the Tony's take. And each week, I'm going to co- cover all my thoughts on the last game the Cowboys played, and upke- up upcoming, excuse me, upcoming games in the National Football League. So, since I got one of the greatest Cowboys on my first show. I'd be remiss not to talk, ask you about the Cowboys, and keep in mind uh, this—they played the Seahawks last week, and today is the 29th, and they play the Browns this upcoming weekend. So I'm going to go ahead and say the Cowboys are going to be two and two before uh, we air our first show. Uh, Real quick, what have you, what have you learned from the Cowboys early on?
1: We got some great talent on offense. That offensive line, you know, of course, is beat up, makeshift a little Mm -hmm. bit, and. What they had to do in that uh, Seattle game to finish that football game and everybody that started the, the game in the offensive line in one position didn't finish the game in that position. They all moved on to enough. If you were a center, you moved the guard. If you were a guard, you moved the tackle, and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But anyway, they, you know, the injuries is part of that. But uh, the offense can do a lot. We could put up points. But we got, you know, Tony, I, I got to give you guys credit. You know uh, you know why we, I was able to catch that Hail Mary? Because the defense made a stop to get the ball back for us, yeah, okay? Yeah,
0: that's, right? that's a tremendous they point, giving the Mary, defense some props.
1: They well, yep. so you got to get the defense on par. And I thought that would be the least of our problems initially. But then you look at, and you. I might ask you this question, you look at what the new defensive coordinator is bringing as far as his philosophy. And is that much, that make much of a difference to the players as far as the learning process so that they can know what to do and not be thinking about what to do?
0: It shouldn't be. You know? And it sounds to me it's a, it's more it's it's more simple or it's 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 uh you know it's a it's a philosophy that shouldn't be that hard to adjust to. Now, I will give them this because of all the pandemic and the virtual workouts and not having the OTAs and no preseason but it can't be that difficult. Problem is, Drew, and you know this, you got players that are being paid. You, you got to go out there and perform, man. You
1: got to get the ball so back to the to offense. Playbook home and study. Yeah. Take the film home and study. You got laptops, you got iPads and everything. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
0: That's a good point.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. And it's football. It can't be that much different, right? So, right. anyway, maybe it's what, what this is all about. Maybe they need some more heart. And courage. They need to go see the wizard, get some courage. <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully they'll be two and two going into the Giants weekend, and hopefully get back above five hundred. Hey, Drew, I cannot thank you enough, my man, for having you on my first show. You're classy. I mean, you're one of a kind. And good luck to you, brother. Uh, real quick, uh, people can catch you on Zoom. Your Zoom broadcast, right? You're doing a pre and post game show. You want to? Yeah. You want to? Yeah. Plug that, and we'll uh, we we'll, yeah, we'll send but, that out yeah, on social media. Yeah, I
1: don't. I don't know the, the, how to call them, the nothing you know the call letters or the the website or whatever, but you can get it through Facebook. Find out through Facebook. But we do a uh, pregame, halftime, and postgame show via Zoom, and give the fans an opportunity to zoom in, ask the original 88 a question, give your comment about what's going on with the Cowboys in the first half, second half, and of course after the game. But you can also get Drew Pearson Legends. Uh, apparel right. at CowboyLegends.com. You look if you want a Tony Casillas T-shirt, we can do that. Go to CowboyLegends.com. All right.
0: Wow, you can we you can, can actually get stuff. a you can get a T-shirt on that website. I'm gonna have to go order me a couple of them.
1: Yes, well, yes. Be the first. We can two. have them. Made. We can have them made. We have them made domestically. That's all awesome. right here hey man
0: USA. USA. Hey Drew, quick, thanks a quick lot. Turn around. Hey, I appreciate you it, appreciate your time, man. Hut,
1: hut. Thanks for having me, man. I'm honored to be your, your original guest, to have the original '88 be your original guest.
0: Hey, you, Thank got you got brother. that right. Thank you, man.
1: Stay safe. Hut, hut,
0: hut. The great Drew Pearson, everyone. Well, that's going to put a wrap on the first episode of the Tony Casillo Show. A big shout out to Drew Pearson and what a wonderful guest for my first inaugural show. Thanks a lot, my man. Uh, also, I want to remind you guys that you can follow our show On Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube TV. Make sure you give us a follow. And make sure you tag during the show five people so they can share it. And you're going to be surprised. We're going to have some nice, nice prizes to reward you with. So thank you all for watching the show. Hope to see you next week. I'm Tony Casillas. De Amo.